Kiki Ra, and you're listening to For the Listening to For the Lore, the podcast that delves into the craft of our favorite games, whether lore, gameplay, or even game design. Joining Roger from Wow Dogs, and for the lore is Joe, writer for World of Maticus, and Enrique of Spooncraft. Welcome to For the Lord of This Rudge, coming to you on the 2nd of August. Welcome to everybody in the audience, as well as to my fine co-hosts, both Vince and Joe. So how are you boys doing today? Fantastic. Well, not quite that good, but yeah, we're fine. But, but decent, but decent, okay. <laughs> For everybody who joined us in the live audience, you got a little hat tip there in regards to the project that we were working on. Um, we're at a point now where it is still obviously not done. We're still doing a lot of the import work to bring everything from For the Lore into the new site. But there are things that I'm not as concerned right now for people to see and whatnot. Um, it is a very large project and there's actually still a lot of time before we're going to officially launch it as well. However, just for the few people who were here live that wanted to check it out, well, now you know. That being said, there's going to be some changes, as we discussed before, to the podcast, which is, again, a little hat tip there. You're going to notice that there's going to be three podcasts once we change over. So there's going to be a general games one, as well as a lore one, as well as a comic one. We've actually started recording the comic ones, Vince and I. Vince is actually the one running that one, and we actually had a freaking blast. I don't know about you, Vince, but man, I had a ton of fun with that, and I can't wait till the next one. Oh, yeah, that, that's, it's shaping up to be a pretty epic project. And yeah, once we get a couple more episodes under our belt and really get cranking, yeah, it's going to be nonstop awesome. Well, once you kind of zone into it and realize what you're doing and not just end the podcast with, I did what? <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was unintentionally awesome. I'm going to go with that. Indeed. So I am very much looking forward to getting that one out at all. Um, and that should be hopefully soon. But again, we're looking at weeks, not days for sure. That being said, this has been an interesting week for most people. As Vince said it, it's basically as if the internet took a break to play StarCraft 2. Because <laughs> yes. that's it. That's all you've been reading about. That's all the news that's out. So we're going to do quite a bit on StarCraft 2. But before we get into that, uh, a couple of things that are not StarCraft or Blizzard related. The DLC for Alan Wake came out. Did you actually pick it up, Vince? Oh, yeah. I played through it. It was pretty cool. We got our uh, first downloadable content episode for Alan Wake titled The Signal. And, man, it was pretty freaking insane. <laughs> I was actually able to get my free code to work, unlike a lot of people. So I don't know quite what the shenanigans are involved there. Uh, I waited until this weekend to actually put the code in. I think that may be some of the issue. So I put it in. I got my free episode. It was, it was for lack of a better term, just nuts they they took from it comes straight out of the ending of alan wake so mm -hmm. we kind of finally get a feeling as to where that 
nuts, crazy ending was going. And now we get to see Alan's further descent into basically what I can just call madness, because that's all this DLC is, this episode. It is sheer madness. It is the writers and directors just going completely off the deep end into batshit crazy territory. It's it's ridiculous. There's You're going through the same town of Bright Falls, but things aren't quite matching up correctly. You'll come out of a building and be in a forest where there was no forest before. You'll turn the corner and there's the bookstore. So it's like they took all of the major elements of the town and just cobbled them together to create this weird narrative inside Alan's head. And great. Oh, yeah, because you never know what's coming. And there is a lot coming. It might just be me, but this episode was harder than anything in the original game. I at no point did I ever have a full magazine of bullets. I never had more than two flares on me at any given time. And hell, I only found two flashbang grenades throughout the entire episode. And one of them rolled off the edge of a cliff before I could grab the fucking thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I to just to further the point I made in the actual Alan Wake game, you're never feeling comfortable on this one. I was perpetually low on health, perpetually popping flares just to keep the enemies away from me. It was just an absolute blast and an absolute mind screw. And now I really can't wait for the next downloadable episode because it it took the story we know in a completely different direction and then just left it there. So now I really have to get the next episode. I think it's kind of cool because this marks what we were talking about. And this also furthers a conversation that I've been having with uh, a bunch of my friends in that are, are starting out as budding game developers the episodic content uh in what is very much cinematic gameplay here uh it 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 offers an opportunity for the creators to think outside of the box for their ip they don't have to sit and be very constrained with it because a lot of this happens in alan's head uh, because i mean he's a fucked up individual you can go on on a limb you can do weird crazy things like that and i also think it's really important to note that it's further bringing back the whole idea of survival horror. You are not uber powerful. You're not a combat monkey like you are in, uh, you know, Resident Evil 5. It's just, you know, there's a sense of dread. There are many points in this game where your throat is filled with your heart pulsing, telling you run, bitch, run, because you have nothing else to do. And it's it's nice to see that carrying over into the DLCs, which are going to be important to to carry on this IP and and, and keep it alive. Yeah, I mean, the the original game wasn't quite as much on the survival end of it. You never you always had a pretty good armory with you, even if it was only flares and a couple pistol rounds. But you never really felt with with a couple exceptions like you were outgunned. But the entire DLC, I was in full survival mode. I was like, do I want to run or do I want to fight? I only have 18 bullets left. It, It was pure insanity i actually been playing it um a little bit more with my son again but the thing is because we're taking turns you never get very far because one gets a little far and then you got it the next day the other one's playing um but we haven't been playing that much again i've been pretty busy with the stuff i'm working on but we finally and just to show how far we haven't gotten we finally just finished the first episode so <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I know. But well, hey, how, how about that ending to the first episode? Well, that's the thing, though. I'm finding it's very well done. And it is something that we're really enjoying the two of us together um, because there's it, it, the, the cutscenes are very well done. The suspense is very well done. 
the gameplay is phenomenal. We've been having a lot of fun, the both of us, playing it in terms of the, the, the game mechanics behind it. So it is actually a game that, I mean, we're looking at two very different generations here that the both of us can appreciate it quite a bit and look forward to playing even more. So, oh, uh, t taking a step away from that now, the other game news for the weekend was, of course, if if you are still interested in Ion, this was a free weekend. <coughs> shut up. Shut up. Just just <laughs> let me talk. Just let me talk. You don't even have to say anything. All right. It was a free weekend to play for everybody. And it was a double experience weekend as well. I actually installed the game on Friday, Thursday, Thursday night. Anyways, um, so that I would have the opportunity to take a little bit of time to play it um, during the weekend. I didn't get a lot of time in, but I did get some. And what I did find was with the double XP weekend, you are level leveling really fast in those early levels. Really ridiculously fast. And it's what we found with WoW when they changed it so that you got a lot more experience from questing and whatnot. Um, and if you have any heirloom items as well, that you are leveling too fast for your zone to do all the quests and too fast to keep your crafting professions or your gathering professions at the same time. You know what I mean? And that's what I found as well. I started a brand new character and I was just ripping through there like there was no tomorrow. So it's, it's funny because I haven't played this now since the game came out. Because I only played for the free month or two, and then I had a little bit beforehand, and then that was it. So it's been quite a while since I played. I'm not seeing the huge sweeping changes, but then, of course, 2.0 hasn't come out yet. So I'm only seeing the behind the scenes, which was a lot of the 1.9. Um, it it I, still was interesting. It was, it was after the server merges, so I lost mm -hmm. one of my names, which really pissed me off. <laughs> off but i i got I, I got three mains kind of thing and i decided to, to bounce onto them for a little bit and then i started the new character but i lost my favorite name of all things um so i was a little disappointed on that there was quite a few people on which i'm anticipating was because of the free weekend so everybody bounced in to check it out so there was a little bit of lag there other than that it played pretty much the same as initially um, but because I played mainly my uh, a new low level characters it's not like I was seeing any of the higher level stuff so I'm I, I'm, I want to wait until 2.0 comes out before I give a definitive yes it was worth it to come back or no kind of thing I thought it was interesting because um, and I'm not going to badmouth the game or whatever we've already done that enough but um, I was talking with Rick uh, while we were playing uh, a Starcraft campaign we were just chatting over Battle.net and he was like, did you see the, the server merges? You know, did you see the free XP? And I thought it was funny because I went through all my emails. And I mean, every single one of my emails. I got an email from PlayNC uh, for all my accounts and every email account I have about the free weekend. So my wow.com one, my for the lore one, my, my, my <laughs> personal one, all the accounts that weren't actually attached to an ion account. The one that was attached <laughs> to an ion account didn't get anything. <laughs> so I just thought it was hilarious. So again, I did not play too much. I, I played mainly just on Friday night. Actually, I put in a, about four hours and I got her just to eight or nine, I think. Um, but it was, it was fairly fast and it was, again, is because of the double XP. So it's something that if people are 
planning on bouncing in during those double XP weekends, even though they said they're not going to be doing those, obviously they're still doing them. Um, it is something to keep in mind. I would anticipate that we're going to be seeing more of these free, free weekends up until 2.0 just to try to hook people back in. I did have a lot of fun. I actually, I enjoyed myself quite a bit. Um, I was playing a little mage. And it, it was never my favorite class, but I thought, you know what? A double XP weekend, if I can level her up fast, and there you go. That's the way to do it with a class you don't really like. Ironically, and this is going to sound absolutely ridiculous, but ironically, the entire time I was playing that, I was thinking to myself, I'd rather be playing my Hunter on WoW right now <laughs> than this. How wrong is that? Now, granted, I haven't played for over a month now, so I'm starting to, you know, when you start to scratch, there's that itch there. It's like, I could really stand a couple of hours of grinding how sad is that um but i do miss playing my 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 hunter um so keeping on with that then let's talk about some of the cataclysm news right now that's been going on once we're done with that then we'll jump into starcraft so joe i'm gonna let you take that away okay well everybody knows that that cataclysm has been in beta phase now for a few weeks and there's been new uh releases of it almost every week they've been updating it very few down periods so to speak um, the last change, there was a, a re-edition of the mastery system. The mastery system was removed uh, when the 31-point talent system was put into the game. Basically, the mastery system would bonuses given to you based on your specialization choice. So if you're a healing class, you got specific bonuses based around your healing and the ability to heal. Damage classes based around your, your, your ability to deal damage, tanks to mitigate. Mastery stat, which is starting to appear on gear, uh, has begun to, or was supposed to increase the effectiveness of those skills. And it was, uh, I believe the original model was three masteries per spec. So whatever you picked, you had many different things. Well, when the 31 point talent system was removed or was introduced, they removed the masteries, the old mastery system, and instead put specialization bonuses that are not affected by mastery. So they put these in and, and we've been running around with them, but everybody was wondering, well, what are we going to do with mastery? What's this gear going to do? Is it going to increase everything? Is it going to increase some things? Well, it's now back. They've put it back into the game. Every class at level 75 gets a very specific ability based around whatever the role is that increases with your mastery system. Um, for shamans, for example, we get a, a spell called deep healing, which increases our healing uh, proportionally based on the deficit of a target's health. Mastery, the mastery rating, increases that healing ability for damage dealing classes like for rogues there's a bonus to subtlety uh there's a bonus to like damage based on like whatever weapon they're using so on and so forth so we're starting to see these creep back in and everybody has theirs put in but they are starting to be reintroduced now this is a big thing because this is a brand new stat this is something that is one of the most anticipated changes to cataclysm the the paring down of old stats like spell power and 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 mana being pushed into like spirit and intellect uh for example or agility being a source of attack power as opposed to just having attack power and agility um so all this paring down is happening with the and now the introduction of the new stat so we're starting to see the gear uh, from quests that have higher mastery ratings and i think right now the, the rough equation is 90 mastering equals 90 mastery rating equals one point increase uh, and it seems like a lot but when you're getting quest here from starting in hygel or vishir it's not too uncommon to see 95 110 mastery on one item so it can ramp up pretty quickly um, there was also a very interesting post this week from the the Friendly Crustacean himself, Ghost Crawler, where he talks about classes, raids, utilities, and group. Right now, uh, we hear the emphasis on bring the player, not the class, right? 
Burning Crusade was released. Guilds were stacking all sorts of classes and raids for specific buffs, right? Wrath of the Lich King came out. They started hybridizing things, increasing the range that buffs uh, affected players so that you didn't have to stack certain classes. This was a big thing because a lot of players were excluded from seeing endgame content based on what class they play. They didn't have enough bonus. Well, Ghostcrawler speaks up and says that they're starting to homogenize a lot of the classes to a certain degree so that players can be taken based on how good they are, not based on what their buffs are. And he says flat out, no buff should be so good that even if you're a terrible player, you are taken on this raid. So it puts more emphasis on you knowing your class and less about, hi, I have heroism. You need to take me in this run. So I thought that was pretty big. Yeah, but it doesn't actually do that to a certain degree. I'm, I'm not going to completely disagree, but it doesn't do that where it's you know your class because if they're making all the classes essentially the same, then it's not about knowing your class so much as knowing how to play the game. Well, but that's the thing is it... it, it means that you can now focus for like endgame rating guilds and for casual guilds on having players that are that do know the game as opposed to saying I have to have XYZ of some class. So it 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 will force players to a certain degree to know their class to know the game a little bit better. Will it happen for everybody? No, not everybody. There's always going to be the bads that stand in the, the horribleness and refuse to stand in the good. That's going to happen. But for the most part I think it's it's very interesting. Now the other thing that he addressed was utility class utility the two most the two classes that have the most utility are paladins and shamans between the different auras uh the different abilities they have totems stuff like that there was this big i want to say hubbub i think people were were starting to scream well you know you're you're giving our abilities away to other classes what's there to take me but he made a good point these classes have such utility that they can cover all these other gaps and without making them competitive, it then seals that class into this, you have to take it type of role. Like uh, for shamans, I'll use an example because it's what I know best. Um, people were complaining about wind fury totem being completely marginalized by uh, death knights. Same with strength of earth talking about flame tongue totem being completely marginalized by demonology. And now fire mages are going to get an ability that comp- competes with it. But at the same point, the strength is in that utility. You're still a utility class. You still be able to fill any gap that a raid has, which makes you still very desirable, not just as a healer, not just as a DPS, not just as a tank, but just because you can do so many things by just flipping a button in any role. So I think that was kind of important to say to see that devs are cognizant of that. You know, they 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 they, they are taking a look at it. They are seeing how they can balance things so that you know you're not just being taken along as a buff monkey. They can focus on things specifically how a class heals like ghost crawler said himself he's more interested to see how healing like healing stream totem for an example uh is doing as opposed to hearing people bitch about wind fury being overridden by uh icy talons so i think that is pretty important i think that's that's interesting to see that they're paying that much attention to the classes and trying to separate the qq which is always prevalent in any game in any forum uh and saying look at these little little things these lesser things and saying what can we change about these that are actually something that is unique to you as opposed to worrying about the buff system? And I thought one of the cool things was he even said flat out he would do away with the entire buff debuff system if he could. He just can't they can't figure out a way to do it without making people bitch. Okay, before I say something, Vince, you got something? No, I'm 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 just staying okay. away from the wild talk for now. I just keep <laughs> seem to keep screwing it up, so I'm just going to step back and listen. See, that's it right there. And see uh, I think there's a fine line between 
game devs listening to their audience and game devs allowing their audience to dictate a game. Listening to your audience bitch and bitch and moan and whine and complain as they always will do versus implementing something that is balanced as best as you can, but still offers a lot of variety. I think that's far more important. I think what's happened over the years is that they've gotten away from wanting to be a unique game that is, you know, that has its challenges that won't be for everybody. And to the point where they now want to just make it that it's a homogenized game that appeals to everyone because apparently 12 million is not enough. They want more. And when you're listening to the people who are bitching and bitching and complaining about who's being taken, whatever kind of thing, I think that, again, if they can make it as balanced as they can without having to just listen to the whining and the crying and still retain the class individualities, I think that makes for a better gaming experience than everybody basically playing the same game. If you're healing, you're all essentially healing the same, except you have different names to your spell kind of thing. And if you're DPS, same kind of thing, whether you're shooting an arrow or a firebolt, you're essentially doing the same thing. I don't like that. I would rather see a lot more diversity in the classes, balance it as best you can, and screw the bitching and whining and complaining. You're doing the best you can, and that's that. And I can understand that to a certain point, but that that unique flavor is still there for all the classes. I can tell you firsthand just by playing through the beta, you know, my hunter feels very different than my mage. My mage feels very different than the warlock. You know, while there is some hybridization with the buffs, which is where they're talking about mainly the hybridization, uh, everything else still has its unique feel. Healing on my shaman is a lot different than it is healing on the druid or healing on the priest still there are some abilities that overlap like you know shaman's getting a greater heal uh greater healing wave and healing wave very much like priests have heal and greater heal but that unique flavor for each class is still there by paring down the buffs and by taking those buffs out of the equation for the class it allows them to focus more on that unique feel to each class more on balancing specific abilities and going from there i mean healing rain as an example for shaman completely unique i mean it, yes it, it follows an old model for circle of healing but it's still there's nothing else like it in the game it feels completely different it works different than most other things you know it's not it is a channeled spell but you can pick where it goes it's not tranquility that's centered around the druid so i mean there's there are these unique flavors to all the classes it still feels very different but by taking those buffs and spreading them out it it makes takes less emphasis on that takes less emphasis on you know choosing a very specific spec or talent talent tree layout to provide the best buffs possible so that you're taking over another class and saying well i'm a great fucking healer you need to take me so i i I understand that there's that fine line but i think it's something that if, if any company out there can do it it will be blizzard and yes they're trying to make the game more accessible but at the same point why not they don't want it to die they don't want it to be overshadowed by another game they have to keep it accessible to a certain degree while still keeping uniqueness by still keep still keeping some levels of difficulty and going from there so we'll see we'll see how it all plays out but these changes aren't exactly bad yet so they they look like they're going to be good and from somebody who is a hardcore raider i like this i like this quite a bit i like being able to say you know i don't need you because you're a horrible player i can take this person because they can do their job better and they have the same buff okay i mean just just as a question like how much change has been done in this game over the years uh 
just due to this buff and debuff system. I mean, Ghost Crawler makes a great point that this game has seen so much renovation over the years, not not just a new coat of paint, the total teardowns and rebuilds. And so much of it is built around the buff and debuff system. Mm hmm. And I mean, when you when you have something that's so inherently and, and, I'll, and I'll say it broken because the buff system right now is very broken, you know, it, it creates a whole nother challenge for developers that takes their their con their 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 focus, their concentration away from the meat of the game and focuses on mechanics that they shouldn't really have it to be focused on and other mechanics get pushed to the wayside. So, I mean, with the buff and debuff system, that's a great example. That's one thing that should be simplified. You know, it should be pared down. It should be spread out among different classes so that they can focus on other things like Warlock's not doing enough damage, okay? So maybe Druids need a boost in their DPS when they're in Moonkin form. They can look at these things now more so than saying, well, we need to fix this buff. This buff doesn't work right. This buff is making this class excluded. Look at all good they do, but this buff is making, you know, it's not good enough compared to this. So now we can't, we don't see this many class in this role, so on and so forth. So, I mean, I think it's an important change and it's one that uh, the buff system has really dominated a lot of the changes. I mean, look at look at Alliance getting Shaman and Paladins moving over to the Horde. That was based entirely around the buff and debuff system. That that decision was made purely on that, if nothing else. It wasn't about class balance. It was about we have no way to provide equal number of buffs to both sides without sharing the classes. Fuck it, let's share the classes. Okay, with that, we're going to actually step away from WoW just because we have quite a bit. And when I say we, I don't mean me. Quite a bit to talk about StarCraft 2. I actually have not had time to pick up the game, much less play the damn thing. However, apparently that's the only thing that anybody right now is playing. So which one of you wants to go first? We're going to let Vince go first? Yeah, let's uh, let Vince go first. Yeah, because I've... I haven't had that much time myself. I've only played like, I, don't know, I think like eight missions in the campaign. I've barely touched most of the game. But so far, I am nothing short of amazed at the quality they've delivered. I, I was expecting a very good game, and I got a very, very good game. Just the little touches that I wasn't expecting from the previews we saw. Like, just the simple effect of taking a lot of the dialogue out of those mission briefings and moving them into cutscenes that puts the game light years ahead of the original and it's something that i we had seen the little cutscenes here and there i wasn't expecting them to be as prevalent in the game as they are now and that is just something that has amazed me about the game I was actually really impressed with that, too. The cutscenes themselves being CG was a huge thing for me. One of the coolest things Blizzard always had going for them was these great CG cutscenes, these great CG trailers, right? So we moved away from that, and they started using in-game engines, particularly in WoW, to create these in-game cutscenes. I would much, I mean, while Wrathgate was awesome, while the death sequence for the Lich King was awesome, I would have much rather seen them in a much, much more polished CG format. Seeing these breaks so to speak in the gameplay for starcraft 2 being done in full cg was huge for me it was great it allowed for great detail it had great voice actors with it and it was very powerful it drew me further into the game and into a cinematic experience because it took me out of the actual gameplay for a few moments that was big for me um the campaign mode also does two very important things in starcraft um it answers a lot of unanswered questions from the end of brood wars okay it takes a lot of the information we'd be like, well, what the hell happened with this? And it says, okay, here's what happened. And it follows the story, again, of our favorite Jim Rayner, okay? Now, 
he's always been the center of controversy has been the center of a lot of camp, a lot of the campaign stuff. He was the love interest of Kerrigan, you know, so seeing his story unfold, what happened to him, what he's doing now and his motivations is big. It's a very nice change. I enjoy it. Um, the campaign mode also trains you for multiplayer. It teaches you the value of each in each building, each tech, each, uh, each sort of unit and it seems pretty universal for all the different races. So I think that was really, really big. Yeah. One thing that I love that they implemented as far as the units in the campaign is the upgrade and the armory system, how you can spend money that you earn in the game on upgrades for your units, stuff that previously you would have to buy every single mission, like your combat shield upgrade for your Marines or the concussion grenades for the Marauders. So when you're actually in playing the mission, you can just get to the mission instead of having to sit there and going, well, I can't attack until I have this upgrade and this upgrade and that upgrade. It really makes the game flow a lot better, at least on a single player standpoint. All that stuff is still important for multiplayer because you have to judge which one you need more at this exact moment. But for single player, you could pretty much just sit back turtle until you have all of your upgrades that you want and then move in so them moving a lot of those upgrades out of the actual gameplay and into this additional system has really streamlined the actual mission structure and that actually is a really good thing too because not only are you upgrading current units a lot of players were bitching because a lot of their favorite units were from brood wars and starcraft were gone okay you get them back in the missions, okay? You can get upgraded versions of them in the missions. Goliaths did give way to Thors, but they're still there in the campaign. Uh, Firebats got replaced by Marauders, but they're still there in the campaign. So you have these uh, science vessels getting replaced by Ravens, things like that. Uh, they're still there. They're there to pander to uh, the diehards, the people that really love these original units that were complaining and bitching about it. But it also teaches you how to transition from those old units into the new units, which makes a big difference when you start stepping foot into the multiplayer. You know, so I think that's really, really huge. Um, there's also lots of pop culture references uh, in the game, not just outside world, but internally to Blizzard themselves. Uh, and if anybody, this is going to be a little bit of a spoiler, so if you don't want to hear it, stop listening. Um, but there's a dancing night elf in the cantina and in the advertisements on the TV, which there's an actual TV that you can look at news and advertisements and stuff. Um, there is a torn space marine in one of the levels that if you get too close to him, he will freak out. Uh, he will go into his little pod uh, and he will set off into space, which is also kind of interesting because there's a tongue in cheek reference to Earthworm Jim, which has also made a, a reappearance uh, on the Xbox 360 and soon on the uh, and I think a couple days from now will be on the PS3 um, where they have the cow launch. So you, you click his little outhouse trying to get him out. He will launch himself into space. Also, Diablo makes an appearance in one of the one of the maps as well as a discoverable where he's just wandering around like a mob which i thought was absolutely hilarious that's so hilarious that cool. <laughs> i'll just i'll do you one better joe we, they, they they've introduced a new unit in the game called the viking it's their new air-to-air -air slash ground-to-ground transforming veritech thing so there's an arcade game in that same yes. cantina as the night elf called the, the lost, lost viking, viking. <laughs> i spent probably 45 minutes just playing this freaking arcade game it's a it's a galaga clone too and that's the best part it's so that, simple that right so there good. that right there is my biggest complaint about the entire game the entirety of starcraft 2 my biggest complaint is that the controls aren't responsive enough on the lost viking <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh man, so awesome. Um, also, there's a, an in-game jukebox in the cantina, which I think oh. is something that we should know too. The in-game jukebox has a killer soundtrack. We're talking updated versions of songs like Suspicious Minds, Sweet Home Alabama, songs like that that make an appearance. And it gives this down-home sort of Southern-esque feeling to a, what is essentially a space battle, which is great because in the original game, you were the Dominion essentially fighting against the Confederacy, you know. So now they take that that Southern-esque feel, that that hillbillies in space, and toss it into the jukebox. Absolutely phenomenal. And I think it's just great. I spent a lot of time just uh, playing with the jukebox, honestly. Like the first time I loaded up the game, I saw the jukebox, I click it, and I'm just listening. And I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. So I spent a good maybe 45 minutes doing nothing nothing but listening to the music on the jukebox yeah it was it was a nice surprise when i I had finished a mission i got to the cantina i got up i went to the bathroom i got myself a drink and i walked back into my room i'm like what the hell is that and it's freaking Freebird. i'm like where the hell is Freebird coming from are my neighbors playing music what is oh that was such such a nice touch now, there are also some other important changes that are not just, you know, graphically or, or fun little flavors. They did a lot of stuff on the gameplay. Um, Battle.net, anybody remembers that there was this whole real ID scandal. Everybody was pissed off about it. They don't want to use it. Um, well, StarCraft II does allow you to use real ID, but it also allows you to do a friend code that's based on character name and character number. So it completely replaces uh, real ID, something that I think we may see, see, see pop up in their other games like Diablo and possibly even Warcraft in order to quell the uh, the the sort of real ID haters. Completely understand yeah, I, why people don't like it, but I think this is a great way to circumvent that. Yeah, I got to say though, there there was a quite a bit of confusion, at least on my part, about that because the real ID side of the system is you know front and center foremost, and then you kind of have to like look and read to find the the character friend system. It, it obviously they want to push their real ID system, and that's fine, but if I didn't know there was an option to make friends outside of real ID, I probably wouldn't have known about it when I went to play the game. I was like, oh, well, shit, I got to I have to use the real ID. See, and I found the exact I found the opposite. When I clicked on add friend, it had them both side by side. It had real ID on the left. It had your character number on the top right and then had the ability to add a character name and character number directly beneath your character number. So, I mean, I, they're they're both front and present. It's just real ID is what's getting the the PR push, so to speak. Yeah, no, I mean, I I think it's great that they have included both options because I'm not a big fan of real ID. So yeah, being able to still have my friends within the game without having to jump onto this whole scary system is is, is a great decision. Now, speaking of scary systems, Battle.net has also started its Facebook integration, uh, which means uh, we are, yes, uh, yes, like everything else out there, you can add your friends from Facebook and see if they're they're linked on there. So I thought that was kind of uh, bad. I don't like it. I really don't like it. But some people do like it. So I understand that they have it in there. I also understand that it's a money move from the top, the higher ups to link with Facebook. Got that. Understand that completely. But get your Facebook out of my fucking space game. Get your Facebook out of my orc game. Get your Facebook out of my soon to be Diablo game. I don't want it there personally. That's just my my thought on it. You got your Facebook in my Starcraft. <laughs> there's, there's no room for space for Facebook on my battle cruiser. God damn it. 
Well, Facebook. the thing too yeah, is that when you think about it, like we're seeing this now, the, the Facebook integration into other games, it's coming up now too. And the thing is, is that really what these game developers are failing to realize, because I understand that some of it is marketing, of course. So marketing goes to the upper CEOs and says, you can make X amount of dollars by integrating this. So of course the CEO says, yeah, do it. Meanwhile, the people who created the game, especially in terms of an RPG, poured their hearts and soul into it, creating something that people can feel immersed in the game (laughs) are then yanked out because it's connected to a real world social network terrorist organization no we're not gonna put that in there. <laughs> but it's true it yanks you right out of it what they think is going to be an integration it integrates you into real world what real id taught us was that people don't want that tie to the real world they want it completely separate so that their gaming experiences are completely submerged in that game reality now yes i know there was a lot of other things with real id that was a concern but that was something that was brought up by a lot of people and that part i do certainly agree with when you are being yanked out of what is supposed to be a role-playing game then that's not I understand that it's good marketing to try to make money, but it's not it, it, it doesn't allow you to become a part of that game. And I understand that. And that's one of the reasons why I don't like it. I mean, I like some of the features of it. I like the uh, ability to talk to my friends cross uh, games. And I will say it has come in handy as an officer of my guild. Uh, it has made me accessible to people in WoW when something bad happens, like somebody gets hacked and you need an officer to come over and demote them or whatever so that the guild bank doesn't get cleared out. And it's come in handy. It has come in handy where I've received a message from a, a, a guild member, you know, hop over, investigate something while I'm in the middle of a campaign, which might not have gotten touched at three o'clock in the morning because no, nobody else was around. Nobody else was in game. Cool. Get that. No big deal. I like that part of it. I also like being able to say, hey, I understand you're, you know, you're just kind of sitting in dollar around right now. Let's go play uh, some multiplayer SC2, you know, and being able to switch over and have that person switch games without really having to, to switch games to find them in the first place. I like that aspect of it. Everything else can go die in a fire. <laughs> well, I, I want to pull the discussion back back to the good stuff, because we, we can sit here and bitch about Facebook and real ID for the next half hour, which well, we very well likely could. But <laughs> I, I want to get back to the actual game and how yes. the reason why I'm only in about six or eight missions, honestly, I can't even remember how much I've played, is because I've been replaying the freaking missions over and over again, trying to get all the collectibles and all the achievements. I might never finish this game with all of the achievements. Now that I know that if I get every achievement on a system and like the, the, the first... It, and like was they, they group up the missions into different systems. If I get every achievement in the system, I unlock another award for my Battle.net avatar. That kind of thing drives me insane. And I, <laughs> I played, I played through the the one mission where you have to get the Protoss relic and the three statues attack you. I played through that mission four times because I could not find one of the Protoss artifacts. <laughs> well, I do have one gripe about that though. There is one thing that they need to integrate from WoW that they haven't put into SC2, and that's the ability to click on the achievement and see what's required of it or how far away you are from it. Um, I love achievements. There was this one mission where you are playing, there, there's a set of Protoss missions in the game. Like, yes, it's the Terran campaign, but there's a set of Protoss missions. I'm not going to ruin anything here. This is not going to be a spoiler, but because everybody's going to get this. Um, 
there's an achievement for how many Zerg you kill based on that. I had no clue that was an achievement. I didn't know that was something obtainable. I would have tried harder if I'd known that that was an achievement. Yes, it forces me to go back and replay the game, but if I had known about it in the first place, I would have prepared a whole hell of a lot better and killed a whole lot more shit just to make sure I got that damn achievement. Just saying. <laughs> have you even gotten into the challenge missions yet? Not yet. I'm finished. I'm on the last mission of the campaign. I have not beaten the game. I know how it ends. Uh, oh, yeah, that's another thing. If you bought the collector's edition and you haven't broken out the art book yet, kind of a, a tip, don't. If you don't want a spoiler, don't break out the art book because interwoven inside the middle of the art book is the ending of the game. Don't do it. <laughs> yeah, they, 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 pulled a, they pulled a mass effect on that one. <laughs> yeah, they definitely did. No, the um, challenge missions how you were talking about how the campaign trains you for multiplayer. The campaign is almost irrelevant to multiplayer once you look at the challenge missions. There are challenge missions based upon each race as far as you have to use the correct units to counter. If they send marauders your way and you're playing the Protoss, what do you use? Well, you better bring out that Colossus because they're going to fry all your stalkers. And the missions are based around making correct decisions from a multiplayer point of view. There are mission, There's a mission where the little box in the bottom right that you can click on everything isn't freaking there. You have to know all the hotkeys in order to pass the mission. Mm -hmm. So those challenge missions are the ones that really train you for the multiplayer. And then they score you and give you medals so I'm going to be on there for another month doing these freaking missions over and over again. And I like that. I like the idea that there's parts of the single player game that will prepare you for multiplayerness because a lot of the multiplayer goodness will kick the fucking shit out of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. That's why we're seeing so many Terrans mostly in the multiplayer, because that's what everybody played in the single player. That's what the less experienced players are more comfortable with. So you're just Terrans freaking everywhere and freaking Marine and Marauder balls all over the place. Hey, that, that's fine with me. I know how to counter it. So let them bring them on. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that no. easy as a Protoss. <laughs> now, let's take the conversation to the actual um, the actual box, too, because you were lucky enough to pick up a collector's edition. Joe, what do you think of the package? Uh, fantastic. And I will say that a lot of people expected this to be like World of Warcraft collector's edition and have this huge type about it. I just walked into the Target and picked one up. So, but inside the box has quite a few bit of cookies. The box, first of all, opens up very much like an old, like a, like a StarCraft ammo case would. And if you've been to the cons, if you've seen them in, in, in first person, uh, or in person, it opens up just like that. And from the top you get... Uh, you get the, the behind-the-scenes DVD, you get the game DVD, uh, you get two guest passes for WoW, two guest passes for StarCraft II, which I need to give you one still, Roger. Um, there's also a comic book, and inside the comic book is essentially issue zero of the new StarCraft comic that's coming out. I absolutely love it it's the artwork is fantastic the 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 dialogue is perfect and it fits the world absolutely splendidly um the other major thing besides the art book is also the dog tags the dog tags are a two gigabyte thumb drive shaped like the like the th the dog tags of jim rayner the main character it is constructed very nicely it is made out of metal uh, it is etched etched plastic for the actual name portion of it it has the dog tag chain for it and just looks absolutely fantastic on and, the dog and, tag hold on and and if i could say this before you keep going if there's anybody in the audience listening who actually is not interested in those dog tags 
Let me tell you, <laughs> I have a mailing address because I went looking for this collector's edition and could not find the goddamn thing anywhere. Even though I don't have time to be playing right now, I still would have picked up the collectors. And the main reason why was those goddamn dog tags. So, you know, if or if anybody wants to sell them at a reasonable price, please let me know. Leave comments on For the Lore in the show notes for this episode, because I'm not joking. I would love those suckers. Sorry, go ahead. Keep going with your, your analysis of the collectors, because they got you <laughs> bastards. On the thumb drive, it comes packed with a version of the original game, StarCraft One, and the expansion, StarCraft Brood Wars, that is compatible with Windows 7, all versions of it, and works fantastically. The other cool thing is when you plug in, plug in the USB adapter, the thing lights up. It lights up beautifully with all sorts of futuristic orangey color. Absolutely love it. I think it was a great piece. I think it was a great addition, and it was something that I'm very happy that I got a collector's edition in order to get. Now, two, two things I will say real quick if I can here. Um, Jenny, uh, our, our resident friend, is looking for an extra art book. Unfortunately, I was able to come through with an extra. My friend decided to keep it because he, he decided he wanted it after all. So while Roger wants a, uh, a, a dog tag, if anybody has an art book they don't want, contact me, joe at forthelore.com. Come, so I can go ahead and, and pass some information along to Jenny. I think she would really appreciate it. Also, one of my guest passes is accounted for. I will give away the second code to anybody who can give me a fantastic reason why I should give them that 10-day free trial code. All you have to do is email me, joe at forthelore.com, with why you think you should have that code. So if you want to you have a free trial of it, you don't want to actually shell out the money to play the game, you want to see if it's worth it yourself, let me know. Fantastic. I, oh, sorry. I didn't get the collector's edition myself. Uh, I wasn't really looking forward to paying $100 on a game. $60 was enough for me. But you, you left out the, as far as some people are concerned, the most important part of the collector's edition. And that is Thor is here. Oh, yes, the mini pet. <laughs> the mini pet. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, no, there's some other things that are really good with the collector's edition. The unique icons that you get, like the Torin. Uh, you get a Torn Marine unique player icon, you get a Night Elf Banshee, and you get a Diablo Marine, which you can choose as your, your images. Mine is currently the Space Cow. Um, you also get unique decals specific to your units. Now, what this means is as you're playing the single player missions, and as you are playing, as you are playing the multiplayer, your buildings have unique icons on them. Mine happens to be the Alliance Lion. There's also the Horde symbol. There's several other unique ones that you can pick. There's also unique skins available for download through Battle.net for your units. I think there's a uh, like a Fire Engine Red version of the Thor for you or something like that, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the in-game Thor pet, absolutely funny. I mean, we, we signed up for the, the raid that Tuesday. I walked into to, to WoW, and you just see five or six in my guild just kind of flying around shooting things. It was absolutely hilarious to see, like, this this extra, you know, unit of Thors charging into battle against the Lich King with us. It was awesome. So, yes, there are tons of good cookies in this thing. If you can get your hands on a collector's edition, Blizzard does collector's editions right. Very, very, very seldom do I say that everything in a box is worth the money. That $99 price tag, that $100 price tag, you get your money's worth out of this box. See, the thing is that I don't always agree with that. Blizzard, I don't... I don't feel that Blizzard always gets collector's editions rights. Yes, they do put in a bunch of stuff. And I mean, I've got all the collector's editions for the, the WoWs, um, but... 
I don't feel there's enough in them. This was the first time where I looked at everything that was in it and thought, this is it. They've they've gone out of their way. The, the, the mere fact that they tossed the first StarCraft on a set of dog tags that are USB, to me that was, okay, there you go. I mean, it's good enough that you tossed in the, the art book, the WoW pet, the extra goodies for in-game and all of that stuff, which is the norm for collector's editions. But when you toss in the original game on dog tags, okay, now you've gone above and beyond. You've done your job. I well, need this now. This isn't the first time they've done this either. Look at Diablo when they released the battle chest, okay? The battle chests were the prototype to the collector collector's editions from Blizzard, right? It concluded the new game, the new game's expansion, a strategy guide book or booklet for both the new game and the expansion, as well as the original game and, and the expansion for the original game in everything else. And that was at a 50 or $60 price tag at the time, which was pretty expensive as new games were only costing like 40 bucks a pop. But you got your money's worth out of it. They did the same thing with Warcraft, where you the Warcraft 2 battle chest, you got the original game with it. The Warcraft 3 battle chest, you got Warcraft 2 battle net edition with it. Yeah, so but let me, been, yeah, let me be clear here. That, uh, to me, tossing in an extra disc that costs nothing to make, really, let's be honest, to print a disc costs nothing. Um, so tossing in the extra, the original game on a disc is nothing. But to go out of your way to actually design an item that fits into the lore of that game, the dog tags in this case, that is something that is that they're then tossing and slapping in the extra. To me, that's an extra step. That is, you've gone above and beyond to create something that is within that world, that the feel of that world, that is unbelievably cool. You know, I, it, I, it'd be the same was, as them taking with Diablo 3 and shoving D2 on a pen drive that's, you know, shaped like whatever from D2. Yes, yeah, you know, something like that. That is taking that extra step to feed the nerds and say, you know what, you guys have loved us for so long here, drool over this. Well, and I think what I was going to say here is that it marks an evolution. Look at how, we, how far we've come over the course of several years of them getting collector's editions. And yes, you can throw a whole bunch of shit in there. Like, look at look at uh, the Fable. They're going to put a deck of cards in there. They're going to put, you know, so the, the coin and stuff like that. And for those people that collect cards, that's a fantastic thing. But for people like me, I don't collect cards. It's just an extra piece of shit. Just going to say that right there. You know, it's just, it's just an extra cookie to throw in there. You know, I'm not saying it's not going to be awesome. But I think collector's editions have slowly begun to to evolve you're starting to get your money's worth when you pay that extra hundred you know you pay that extra thirty dollars to get the game forty dollars to get the game so i think that we'll see this transition continue with diablo 3 collector's edition i wouldn't be surprised if we see like you know a mark of the demon whatever thumb drive with the diablo 2 and the expansion on it i wouldn't be surprised if come cataclysm we see a little extra cookie put in there besides just a pack of cards so or an extra mini pet i think i think the evolution is here which and is what StarCraft Two marks it. Yeah, I, I'm certainly hoping. I I'm I'm afraid that Cataclysm will be follow the same lines as the other expansions. That's what's scaring me. I which is not a bad thing. It's not that they were terrible. It's just that again, I'm noticing a huge freaking leap forward with this one in terms of the value for your money. So, with that, once again, I want those dog tags, people. Make it happen. Um, we're actually going to take five. And then Actually, from there can I have one, one second, one more second here, Roger? 
<laughs> while while we're talking about value, I have a question for you, Joe. Since you've played more of the game for me uh -huh. than me, uh, there's been a lot of discussion about Blizzard's decision to split StarCraft II up into the three separate games. To which I've always countered: as long as they deliver three games worth of content, I'm okay with it. So now, with you having essentially completed the single player portion of the game, do you feel there is an entire game's worth of content here? Yes. I honestly do. I believe that we got our money's worth for the single player campaign here. Also, on that same arc, before we, we do any breaks or anything like that, they've already stated that the next two expansions are going to be treated exactly as that. They are going to be expansions to this game. They'll be priced as such and they will have content as such, which means they will be introducing new units on top of new campaign story, uh, campaign modes, and it will be continuing of the story throughout the three games. When you beat Starcraft 2, the Terran campaigns, you are left with uh, a bunch of answers to questions you've had, but also a whole series of new questions that need to be answered. So they will continue this on as they pr proceed with those expansions. And I honestly feel that we've gotten our money's worth out of this game. You get a, a game's worth of content, probably more than a game's worth of content, especially if you take into effect the free battle net option as well that you can do that you paid, you got your money's worth for it. And the other games, as they're going to be, uh, I think it's Heart of the Swarm is the next one. Protoss will be the last set of missions. But the Zerg will have probably more robust uh, storytelling than has previously been seen in a Zerg campaign. I mean, if everybody remembers, the Brood Wars campaign was pretty freaking hollow uh, as far as that goes. So I think that's going to be, you know... Uh, <laughs> bigger uh, but I, I think it's going to be worth every penny we spent on it like i'm not one that throws my money away on games i hate throwing my money away on games but i think these get, we get our value for them we really do not for not just gameplay alone but for the story they tell for the technology that's there for the cookies we get with the game it's there you get your money's worth that right, good good to know he doesn't like wasting his money though when he does there's a blowtorch handy so with that, we're going to take a break. <laughs> go pee, go fill your drinks, and we'll be right back. I feel like I'm sitting too close. Okay. Too close, too close. Too close. I can't see. You have to put your mouth there. Basically. No, 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 no. Oh, really? Yeah. It's oh, weird. Weird. Pop. Pop my peas now. I'm like, I'm trying to look around big talking thing okay can't we just bark again <laughs> that was so easy <laughs> okay let's mark the time two minutes 20 seconds <laughs> wasted no <laughs> you're, you're li <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> we don't need anything from the audience thank you very much Okay. Here's your host. That one can be a little bit more relaxed. Okay. Just because it's more, it's not. It's, people are freaking yeah. out about it. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're no good. Okay. Here's your host, Ho. Yeah, Ho. Who's your Here's host? your show. Oh. I got, I got nothing there. I got all H's. I was waiting for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's the here's your, here's your host. Comics ones got. The comics right. ones. Wow. Do 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 do. <laughs> You're listening to Bow Down to See, I'm seeing like Robin Hood with the trumpet. No comic needed for that one. <laughs> for people who want honest opinions by the freaks with nothing better to do the with freaks. their time. Oh, the freaks. No Sorry. Bye, Bye freaks. freaks. Bye, no fuck. 
freaks. Okay. <laughs> it, it implies we're the only freaks. <laughs> okay. Not singling anybody out. Basically, we're we're <laughs> Joe and Ben, yes, but not me. <laughs> <laughs> it's not helping. Okay. Put your arms up like you're super the, the Wonder Woman or something. I just want to keep my my arms here like so that this, it's okay. <laughs> Do it. Do it. You're listening to Bow it's, it's too much. It's too much. Okay. No hand actions. We're just gonna go with talking now. <laughs> Wait for him to leave the room. Okay. Yeah, here's your host, Vince. Here's your host, Vince. Maybe if I put it in the same line. Here's your host, Vince. Yeah. Yeah, because here's your host. I almost want to say Joe. (laughs) Here's your host. It's not the first one. That's it. No, I know. It's just there's so much to think about. You're on your own. I'm getting a glass of wine. Husa. A podcast for everyone. For blah blah blah. Here's your host, Vince. You just want to laugh. This is going in the... <laughs> well, it is recording. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh. That was on? Yes, Mine? Yes. Oh, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> uh, three is amazing. <laughs> it just never ended. <laughs> All right. Thanks, honey. <laughs> Yes, a couple. Yes. <laughs> and welcome back to Fourth Lore. We're actually going to touch on something completely different right now. Something that we've talked about last episode and something that I'm so goddamn excited about. And something that somebody was going to let us know about a certain beta that we still haven't heard back from him. But that's cool because we'll give him a little bit more time to intimidate his HR. Because we're dying to get into DC Universe. Whether it's just to try it out to see if it's as good as it appears to be or just to have a ton of fun in it because there was a new video that came out with some questions and answers from um hold on who we got here chris chow teo chow i can't remember how he said his name the game director as well as yen anderson who's the creative director for dc universe online these guys were fantastic not only could you tell that they are very passionate about their game they also have a fantastic sense of humor and i hope that is coming out in the game but from what we're hearing here now these were questions that were posted to them on their facebook page that they answered some of it was real some of it was actually they were making stuff up on the fly there but they made it very clear when they were um i'm actually going to play this for the people who are in the audience grant you're not going to be able to hear them if oh, every time I hear more about this game, I keep thinking, yeah, no, really, seriously, I have to play this game. It is looking to be something absolutely phenomenal. And and in this one here, they talked a lot about the different abilities that you can expect to have with your characters. And they touched on things from being able to shapeshift to the flight mechanics, which means a lot to me, as well as a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, I don't know, like Vince, what did you take off of this? Uh, the one thing that really stood out for me was that your characters, they said, are going to have a combination of a power set and a weapon mm-hmm. that are going to tie together into their combat style. The one the you know, the examples they use is you can be a fire power and wield a sword. So all your sword attacks are going to have fire effects to them. Or they said like a lightning with a bow 
which is really cool because in other games of the type, City of Heroes and Champions Online, it was kind of an either or thing. You could do, say, an electrical power and a bow, but they were very separate. They, they didn't mesh together into one mm. character. You, you kind of had to to wedge it into your 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 archetype to really make it have to have it make sense. So when they're talking about here that you can pick these different combat styles and that they will actually mesh together in the game. For me, that's huge because that opens up a vast amount of new character options. I am excited <laughs> I, you sound like it. I, I I don't know any other way to say it. From dear Lord, give me this damn game now. Okay, let me actually Joe, <laughs> take a break for one second. This is something directly for Vince because Vince, you've said time and time again how you are more interested in Champions Online than this, which is cool, which is absolutely fantastic, good for you. However, this is what I want to ask you. Taking into consideration what we heard in this video where they're talking about what we can expect for within that world, where in right now they are they have the rights to use anything that's occurring in the DC universe. So there's there's certain um, how, how would you say that in common terms like offshoots and things like that, that the, you're not going to see certain storylines that you're used to, but there's certain main ones that yes, you will, that will be in there. Now from the get go, it's going to have a fairly um, generic DC universe in terms of what has occurred in that universe. However, over time they're going to be introducing a lot of the key events that have happened in the DC universe, such as, Mm, brightest day, blackest night, the war of light. Don't you feel that being a part of such a momentous event in comic culture would be much cooler than anything that they're introducing in other superhero games? Even if you're not Green Lantern, you're still a part of the war of light. Don't you think that would be absolutely astounding? I will admit that the more I hear about this game, the more interested I become in it. I would I still stick to my guns that from a purely character based standpoint and even a role playing standpoint, the other games are more of a fit just because you have so much more room to to breathe with. OK, but, but from go back to what from, I said, though, you didn't answer what I said in terms I, of actually. OK, oh, all right. Go ahead. then. But from a <laughs> storytelling standpoint. Yes, DC definitely is starting to get me hooked in when they were talking about, like you said, certain events in DC history will have occurred at the time of the game. Certain events are in a in the possible future. Again, Blackest Night was one they mentioned. But another one that they mentioned that that really sort of tweaked in my head the, the direction that the game was going was when they were talking about the different locales, about how, you know, you have Metropolis, you have uh, Gotham, but not everything is going to be set in a city, like they said. They said that an entire story arc, mission structure, quest line, whatever the hell they're calling it, is going to take place entirely inside Raven's head, Raven from the Teen Titans, and is going to focus around yes. the very famous storyline <laughs> of her father, Trigon, and it's going to put you, your your character into a known event in the DC universe, which was something in the early stages of the game that they didn't really tell us, or at least I didn't see. It was, okay, here's your characters in a generic DC universe. But now that I know that these characters we're creating are going to be 
important parts in the DC lore that has already been established without changing the lore. I find that to be a very interesting prospect. And from a storytelling standpoint, it's definitely something I'm interested in because now we get to see these events occurring firsthand. Joe, go ahead. I know you're dying to say something. <laughs> you're practically so, squealing. <laughs> there is so much that they can do with all the different story arcs, all the different universes. I mean, let's not forget that DC Universe at this point is a multiverse. It is not just one universe. It is not just one world. They can tap into so, so much. There is so much that they can pull from, so many different things they can do. They could take you to the to the 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 reality, the Earth, where all the Justice League are actually supervillains. They could take you to, to the where, where Batman was never actually created because his family never got shot. They can do all these different like multiverse things and they have so much wiggle room that it creates such an awesome universe that this IP can inhabit. And that's what gets me really excited from it. DC Universe. And I mean, I'm a I'm a huge comic nut. Spider-Man will always be my favorite, but everything else on my list tends to be DC. And it's such a robust universe. There are so many different things that you can do there. There are so many different worlds to visit, so many different story arcs, so many different what ifs that could find their way into a game like this, that the possibilities are near endless. That is huge to me. One of the biggest problems most MMOs have is they run out of fucking story at some point. They run out of, you know, like as much as I love Champions Online, as much as I think the game is awesome, and as much as I would recommend it to anybody, the storyline is it's because it's all brand new. There's really no there's one direction for it to go and it can branch off in any way, shape or form, but it doesn't keep you guessing. It, you kind of have an idea of where the story arcs are going to lead where it's in DC Universe. You have one event that could lead to four different possible universes or four different possible story arcs that it could launch off. And I think that's big. I think that's one of the biggest, biggest strengths that this franchise has behind it. See, I'll go you one further. And and again, I, I enjoy Champions Online. It took me a couple of tries to finally get the hang of it and to really, truly appreciate it, but I did. That being said, let's say that they're coming up with a new expansion pack. And they're saying, in this expansion pack, you can expect to do blah, 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 blah. And all of these epic sounding storylines and whatever. Okay. Now, meanwhile, DC Universe comes along and says... Our expansion is going to have the War of Light. There's pretty much no competition. The thing is, is that you're tapping into an established story. The thing that games have such a hard time in doing very well is in, well, I shouldn't say it that way. Story is something that they're always reaching for to really sink their, uh, the, the player into the story, not just the gameplay, not just the graphics, not just how fast you can kill something or how many knights you're going to have to raid for something. But the actual story behind it, while a comic book story is just that, there's nothing else. It's that story. So the people who are reading those stories in the comic books are drawn into those stories and already invested. They didn't go towards them for gameplay or for something to do every, you know, raid every other night. It's the story that drew them to that, 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 that story arc. So by then saying, okay, well, guess what? Not only 
can you like you've read the story arc here here's a chance to actually be a part of it now mm-hmm. and if somebody actually took the time to read that story arc Yes, you want to be a part of it. it. You've already read it. You've already felt engrossed by it. You want to be a part of it. So here we have, again, and I, and I hate using that example because it, it denotes something negative, but here you have a Champions Online that has a generic no-name brand aspect to it in terms of what the stories are for any kind of uh, uh, expansions or, or patches or whatever. And here you have DC Universe that's going to say, okay, boom, boom. Robin's getting killed story arc boom that everybody can identify with you know the Red Hood story arc that we're going to be talking about Vince and I this week with Batman boom here you can be a part of that are you kidding me (laughs) yes yes thank you very much yes I will jump at that chance only if I can get my collector's edition crowbar (laughs) (laughs) that's pre-order only So we found out a little bit of information as well, extra in terms of the um, DC Universe, in terms of what we can expect with the, again, storylines and what they're talking about will be a pristine launch of the DC Universe. And then from there, they're going to go off. We can expect that any huge story arcs that they introduce in the DC Universe will at some point make it into the game via patches or expansion packs. They're talking about what kind of cities and zones you can expect we're looking at metropolis gotham they're talking about yeah arkham asylum of course uh things like that if they can if they can work with the creepiness of arkham asylum game and put that into the zone I think that's awesome because that's something that they discuss as well they're not going to actually be creating any real time and night versus day but rather setting each city or zone as best would be by the time frame case in point you're never going to walk into a sunny gotham it's always going to be dark and brooding kind of thing so if they do the same with arkham asylum i'm picturing stormy kind of <laughs> lightning storm night um seriously what is up with the weather at arkham <laughs> <laughs> It's a thunderstorm perpetually hanging over that prison. Dude, weatherman, weatherman is in prison there. What do you expect? <laughs> so we found out about that. They were talking about how many players you can expect per account. Um, I'm a little afraid by them saying you'll have enough <laughs> to explore with a hero and villain, which to me means two. Two. I'm hoping it's going to be more than that, but who knows? Um, I don't know. Is there anything else you guys read here that you wanted to go off on? Yeah, pretty much uh, hit on all the all the major the points there. Yep. Yeah. I'm pretty good. I, Although I, I do hope that I do hope that Kingdom come makes an appearance some way in shape or form in this oh game. Oh man, I would I would lose my shit in a heartbeat. <laughs> Just wait, Joe. Roger has get has gotten a sneak preview for my love of Kingdom Come. Nice. It's, I knew it, I liked you for a reason. It's something that really again the more that. I've been reading about it, but also the more I've been reading the comics, it's it's a game that the more if you can actually take the time to read some of the comics, you will be that much more invested in it in terms of really wanting to play it. It'd be the equivalent of a Marvel game wherein you can be a new X-Men or a new mutant or something like that that's in that world. Here is something that I 
I, having just finished reading <laughs> well over 120 issues in that whole War of Light <laughs> story arc within the DC Universe, having read all that, I, I honestly, I'm thinking when they brought that up, I was thinking, oh my God, I would absolutely love to be a whatever. In Can you imagine time an in-game event where all the various players get to pick a ring and actually oh. have the war? That would be insane. See, that's because, and they have the ability to do that. Yeah, that that that's one thing that really has me excited for the prospect of the game. E- even if it doesn't satisfy my my wants and needs character-wise per se, it's at least going to be a crap ton of fun. And whether they do that or not, and, and, and hey, dudes, if you're listening to this, here's an idea we just <laughs> cooked up and feel free to use it. But let's just say again, because they've made it clear that though you aren't going to be able to be the Green Lantern, Hal, Hal Jordan or whichever one of those, maybe you'll be able to be a part of the Green Lantern Corp. Well, let's just say that you're playing through the um, the brightest day or the darkest night expansion pack that they put out and as part of that expansion your character gets to have one of the rings be it the yellow the red the whatever kind of thing and by virtue of getting that ring gains a bunch of different abilities so that for the purposes of that expansion and that expansion only you have a totally different playthrough with your existing character that you're already feeling attached to well, like it's win about- you talk about hero classes in other games. There's your hero class right there. It's a template you can put over an existing class and have some pretty kick-ass results, in my opinion. Definitely. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna send Jim Lee a Twitter message right now, telling him <laughs> to listen to this episode. <laughs> so that's what we think about DC Universe. We are hoping to hell to get into the beta because seriously, after watching this, I can honestly tell you that if there's a way, which I believe they've hinted that you're going to be able to play your same account on the ps3 and your pc vice interchangeably if you want kind of thing um it's gotten to the point where i would actually consider buying both a a pc and a ps3 version just so that i could play my character wherever the hell i want i I can't wait to play this game i want to remark on that real quick now the cross-platform thing is a lot of people scared and people remember final fantasy 11 and the fail that was that game this is the first time I'm not afraid. I don't know about you guys, but I'm really not. I'm not afraid of the cross platform. I think this is the perfect genre for it. Yeah, they can pull it off. Definitely. I, based on your again, your move. Let's just look at a game like Infamous, which despite the story problems and the the game play problems in terms of restricted restrictions that they put on the characters and whatnot, the actual game play, the movement and whatnot worked and it worked well. Now transform that into a superhero type game where you add in flight, which they're talking about making flight awesome which means a lot to me i always measure flight by what they can compare to flight in terms of a druid a druid epic flight form to me Mm -hmm. is perfect it doesn't have the barrel rolls and things like that but it's still very good and so they're talking about the stuff that they're talking about is absolutely awesome their 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 movement for fast classes like the flash and whatnot are sound like they know what they need to do and they're working on it so that can be done with a controller 
very, very easily. In fact, it might even be more natural with a controller than it would with a keyboard and mouse. And I think that's really, you hit the nail on the head. The the, the depth that they're putting into the game, the, the more action-oriented version of the game, so to speak, plays well to this. And I think that's kind of important for us to notice because games like City of Heroes, flying was a pain in the damn ass. Um, I had several flying characters that eventually I just respect, got rid of flying, and uh, went for super jump and super speed because it was just so much better. You know, flying was just, you ran out of power, you fell to your death, there was nothing you could really do about it. It was slow and clunky, you had to enhance it. Where they're talking about making this a dynamic part of a superhero's arsenal, you know, flight in itself is one of those quintessential, you know, superhero powers. And to have them, you know, pay attention to it and actually say, you know, previous games, their mechanics or flight sucked. We're going to make it better. So I like that. I really like that. Although, truth be told, after listening to those guys talking, it was like, do I want to be able to shapeshift or fly? Because God damn, that shapeshifting was awesome like the way they're talking about it, you're going to gain a whole new abilities based on which form you take and it's going to change the very way that you play it sounds awesome <laughs> what was that? <laughs> that that was that was roger trying to keep it in his pants oh my god so yes I want to play this game so bad when you're looking again at the talent that's not just behind the writing, but the voice acting and everything that they're doing. What I want to start seeing is a lot more actual in-game footage now that they've done a lot more. Now that we're looking at beta, I want to start seeing a lot more in-game footage. Hopefully that'll be coming out soon. So with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap for tonight. There is some news in terms of a new Dragon Age DLC that's going to be coming out, the Golems Amgarak, which sounds very Freaking cool. We're going to touch on that next week as well as some new news from some other games, possibly Mythos as well. And with that, we're actually going to call it a wrap and we will see you guys next week. This is Kirby with the Handheld Minute with a preview for Harvest Moon Grand Bazaar. In Harvest Moon, you are a farmer tasked with taking over a formerly successful farm and bazaar and making them wildly successful once again. The game provides goals in the form of gaining so much gold by the end of the month or providing such and such variety at your booth. Gameplay also includes festivals, which for certain ones, unlike previous Harvest Moons, they actually last more than one day. Marriage continues to take a big part of the game, where it is important for you to woo your potential mate with presents. And in a change from previous games, some mates will require you to basically making it where you have to max out love with multiple people <laughs> yeah, to get to the one person you want. Farming is the heart of Harvest Moon games. In Grand Bazaar, you will be tasked to grow plants and care for animals. In previous iterations of the game, you could purchase animals and seeds at pretty much any time you wanted. This time, you will be required to purchase them during weekly bazaars. The game also throws out previous gameplay options to breed your own animals. Also, you can now water your lawn twice a day to help improve growth. And watering is already a boring task for me. And for it to be thrown in twice a day makes it seem more monotonous. In addition, when you start a day, you need to make sure that you have time to finish it or at least willing to sacrifice a whole day. Because the only way to save is by going to bed. Even if it's noon. You'll also find that processing the fruits of your labor will bring back much more gold than just selling the base materials. In fact, this is so true that early reviews are citing that within two years, you can easily reach the max gold goal. If you are new to the series or a huge fan of the Harvest Moon, this is a game to pick up. If you've played previous iterations of Harvest Moon 
and you know what to expect and you found yourself getting a little bored with it after a while, don't bother picking this up because you're going to get bored with this really quick. Perhaps renting it may be your best option. Expect to pay up to $30 for this game with a release date of August 17th, 2010. This has been Kirby with the Handheld Minute. Good day. This is a little PSA for everyone out there. If you have any games that you'd like for me to look up or review, or any previews you want me to, to look at, please send an email to handheldminute at gmail.com. This will help me find reviews that you'll be interested in, and help me find reviews, period, because the summer seems to be sometimes sort of dry, and lately the only game I've been playing is Dragon Quest IX. A lot. Thanks, everyone! How's it going? <laughs> I was questioning, I was like, does she know that she's broadcasting live to an audience no. right now? No, she did not. That's what so made it perfect. So you just <laughs> threw your kid to the wolves, huh? Basically, yeah. There's a lot <laughs> of joy in that. There's a lot of joy. Oh, I can only imagine, good sir. <laughs> oh, man, what the heck, dude? <laughs> I'm listening, I'm like, what the f- <laughs> oh. As Vince is sitting there... I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. Man, <laughs> on. I gotta go through ten minutes of footage now to find <laughs> the right ones to use. <laughs> but if we've got enough of real stuff that people are interested, then let's not do other crap. Um, hey, I'm interested, fucker. Okay, but Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I agree because it'll just turn me into a whiny bitch for a few minutes. Well, pff, how is that different than any other time you open your mouth? Because it'll only be for a few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, better than a whiny bitch for 90 minutes like we're used to. <laughs> yeah. I think I'm too damn wordy. By the time I get to play it, nobody else is going to be playing anymore. I'm going to have to play by myself. I mean, that's going to be the first time. I want those dog tags. <laughs> that is awesome. So you boys ready to go? Right. I'm ready. Let's do it. You're a little hyper too. Okay, all right, we're good to go back. <laughs> there is there's something freaking zipping around me here. All right, jeez, worried about time. God, all I had to say was StarCraft Two. You guys, it was like the horses hey. at the gate. Ding, point gone. <laughs> it it was a long time coming, man. You knew it was gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, are we still broadcasting or no? Yeah, we are. Damn it. Okay, audience, that's a cue. I'm letting you go. Screw you guys. (laughs) Dear audience, fuck you. (laughs) Damn, you rule. I know you can't hear me, but you rule. She ain't pretty. She ain't pretty. She ain't pretty. She just looks that way.